Welcome to Restless. Paul is restless. I am. I want to go home. I want to eat. I haven't eaten dinner. Let's go. You can eat a bagel. Like a, you had a quarter of a bagel. You had a delicious. You I had a half a bagel. Dry know. bagel over yeah. there. And yeah. uh, Joe is also here, who has also eaten, I think, three bagels. I had, no. 1.5. I, I think I had I think I think had uh, three quarters of bagel. Right. Well, I had <clears throat> three bagels today, so I'm bageled out. A lot of bagels. It was A lot of carbs. It was a lot of carbs, yeah. 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 But I was running around with the kids today at Cardinal, Cardinal Kung. I was running around Manhattan. Almost as fun. I'm nope. sure. No. It's so <laughs> dirty, especially right after New Year's. Gosh, it's dirty. Oh, gosh, I bet. There was literally confetti. We're recording this January 2nd. There's literally confetti in the lobby of my building. Wow. Yeah. That's, I wonder it's how many terrible. people go down there. I've never been to I that. did it once. Did you? Yeah. How was I went it? to a Catholic party at St. Malachy's, which is right, uh, it's like the Actors Chapel. So it's like right in Broadway. And they, right at like 11.50, they ushered us out of the church basement where there was a party to Times Square, we watched the ball drop, and then we all just went back into the church. It was great. That sounds good, actually. Yeah, yeah. and I Much actually I drove less in. crazy than everything else. And like, there's not a lot of drinking, so like, I drove in and drove people in. It was actually fairly straightforward. Fun, fun. All right, so happy New Year. But anyway, Whenever, so when this is released in July, happy yeah, I know, right? Happy New Year. <laughs> like, it's actually it's actually Advent like next year in 2024, so it's like Happy New Liturgical Year. In December of 2024. That's a nerdy Catholic joke, but you're right. I think Paul's getting delusional. Yeah, I think he is. I think he needs a bagel. Anyway, but so, so, you know, you're talking about how difficult it is to be in New York City. And difficulties is the topic because uh, adversity makes the man, as the saying goes. I don't know if actually, that's I actually have never heard I think that I just saying. made that up, but I like the title. So no, I think gonna, it makes sense. We're going to stick with it. As because people say, people named Father Joseph Gill. All right, I'm people. a person. I'm as, allowed, a wide, as a wise man's one. I'm allowed to say right. that, right? Yeah. And, and I think, I, I don't know about you, but do you find as a man in particular, because you are men, that, Thank you. that you desire challenge in your life? Oh, for sure. I don't sit still very well. So like, so like, what kind of challenges have you challenged yourself with? Physical, mental, spiritual, what, you know, whatever challenges. So last week we did Christmas in Florida and I went parasailing. That was a challenge. Whoa. Yeah. Tell me about that. It wasn't that exciting. The, uh, the, the hardest part about it is, is that you have to mentally get over the fact that you're just about to go 400 feet in the air. And then you get up there and you realize it's not that high. Okay. I would think that's pretty high. Yeah. But, but I was pretty scared. Yeah, I bet. I bet. That's a very minor challenge, I would say, given I, have, I, was, I was strapped to a parachute, which was if it snapped, it would just float down to the water. Oh, okay. So Fair. it's not that exciting. It's not that, it's not that dangerous. Oh, I mean. that's good. That's good. Yeah. And my like 12 year, 13 year old niece that I was next to and did it with, she was fine. And didn't have any issue. <laughs> she was like so excited. She's like, you're set. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's go again. Like, hmm, no, pass. You're good to go. Anyway. What, what about you, Joe? What have you challenged yourself uh, with? I don't know. I'm, you're dairy free now. Can I mention that? Yeah, that's a challenge. Apparently. That can be, especially for an Italian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, I'm not a particular, I'm a particularly, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty cautious person, I would say. I'm not really a thrill seeker, you know? Mm. Um, but it doesn't have to be a thrill. It could be like, I mean, you're, you're no, black belt. And yeah, I was going to say, like, that was challenging, oh, true, mostly because yeah. I was so uncoordinated um, <laughs> and accident prone when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> but so that was a challenge. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing else is really springing to mind. Um, I'm in seminary. That's challenging in its own way, I suppose. That's got to be very, I mean, you did the spiritual retreat. And then sure. the 30 day retreat. retreat that has to be very challenging. Poverty immersion was challenging, not really when it was happening, but the anticipation of it was challenging to overcome, oh, I suppose. What about Exodus 90? Have you guys done that? Yes. No. I'm not doing it this year. No, and I'm not doing it this year. I've, I have done it. I haven't done the full thing, but yeah. I did it two. I did the full thing two years ago. So for those who don't know, Exodus 90 is a, a really tough ascetical challenge for men, where mm. it's no caffeine, no alcohol, cold showers, an hour prayer a day, just a lot of really intense stuff yeah. to try. You to should help. do it. People you should. should do it. Exodus90.com. It's a thing. You can buy it. 
They don't sponsor yeah, us. Like, they should, but they don't sponsor us. But. Tens of thousands of men do it every year. Yeah. It's really, really good. But uh, but I, but men, I think, rise up to that challenge. And and I've been surprised because we, it's funny how, in my, we decided to do a knockoff version here at Cardinal Kung Academy. Mm. And we called it Exodus 40 because we did it just for Lent. But I had three different levels. You could choose level one, two, or three. And obviously it got tougher and tougher. And level three was, you know, cold showers and like, you know. No alcohol. No alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> that was tough for these yeah, kids. Yeah, yeah those freshmen will tell you. But uh, no, they, you know, they, they were challenged. You no know, video games, stuff like that. And uh, it's funny how like all the kids here chose level three. And I did the, decided to do the same thing at my parish just to see if we could do that. And we actually had a really good turnout. And everybody chose level one at my parish, like the easiest. And I was like, wow, you know, there's these high school kids, mostly the boys, who really wanted to challenge themselves. And here's like these, uh, you know, my parishioners are like, that's so hard. No eating between meals. How can I do that? Yeah. So, no, it's, it's hard. It is a challenge. But that's the point of it, almost. Not quite. Because you can get, pri- with these challenges, you can actually get a little prideful about it. Like, yeah. oh, look, I actually did it. Like, I didn't eat between meals today, and I took a cold shower. And like, even like, I prayed my holy hour. Like, look how great I am. Right. And so you have to, and they'll, they'll, if they'll, the reflections are so powerful when you actually do the actual Exodus 9, you download the app and you have like this thing. It's funny that you're not supposed to use your phone, but it's done on an app, <laughs> but it is very effective. And so they say like, okay, you've reached day 45, which is right around the time of Ash Wednesday. And it's like, you're feeling pretty good right now. Well, don't. <laughs> like don't. you're sinful and you've failed in many ways and it like knocks you down. Yeah. Cause it's, I think, it's hard. I think really hard. Spiritual pride is a real challenge yeah, for, yeah. especially for men. Yeah. It's like, oh, what, you think you're so special you've gotten this far? You still have half to go. And it's only Ash Wednesday. Yeah. It's about to get more intense. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, we, we as, especially as men, I think challenge ourselves. But I think also in today's world, there's a lot of people that want things very soft and easy, convenient, and not, don't yeah. want to take risks. I think it's also a human condition. I mean, we have- You don't think it's just a today's world thing? No. I would disagree because in past cultures, right, every young man became a man through- serious adversity right sometimes it was like you know 40 days of fasting for your yeah. vision quest or this or that but, you know but i would say that if you had the op- for example like if you had the if you had the option you, you wouldn't necessarily have the option to do that right and maybe the culture valued that too which maybe is what we've lost mm. but if you had the option of like living a comfortable life and not yeah. a lot of people are going to choose so a i think then what's, what's different about now is that you have the option to you can opt into these things but you can also live a comfortable life whereas in the past you just had to rise to the occasion so you have to now you have to choose rise to the occasion whereas before it's or you just starved right it's like you either yeah. you, you you hunt or you starve you right do whatever father's vision we didn't thing we, is, or you starve we didn't you have this, we didn't have this thing called like a middle class right like we're all middle class plus or minus like the way we live is a bit of middle class yeah. lifestyle we, there was no such thing as that you sure. either were a peasant or a slave or you were the aristocracy or the nobility. Yeah. So like, so, right. So, yeah. So, so a man who, you know, kind of forged a life for his, him and his family out of the land, there's something very beautiful and honorable about that. And, you know, and the challenges overcome, but the alternatives were just freezing to death in the winter and, and starving. Right. So, yeah. So and that doesn't diminish it. It just, I think that, so when father says that in today's world, men are less interested in these challenges, well, because there's an, there, it's, 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 you have to opt into them. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not required. You can live a very comfortable life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I do think it's interesting, like, you know, the Pope, the Benedict Sixteenth quote, you know, the world offers you comfort, but you're not made for comfort. You're made for greatness. Like, there is something very, very good and true about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
You know, it's funny you were mentioning that because I was reading a book called The Boys in the Boat. I don't know if you've heard that book. It's um, sounds kind of familiar. Oh, they just made a movie out of it. Yeah, they yeah. just made or, or oh, I have a story about it. that movie. Oh, okay. It hasn't come out yet, has it? No, but I was at a restaurant in Manhattan the day of the la- of the screening party. Really? So I was I missed him, but apparently people that left a little later than me ran into George Clooney. Oh, I didn't know George Clooney was in it. Yeah, he's okay, at well. the, or he directed it or something. Maybe he was a coach, I think. Anyway, oh, well. keep going. Anyway, so it's, Boys in a, the boat. so it's a fascinating story about a 1932 or 36 Olympic, uh, can, uh, not crew, crew team. Crew team, rowing. You know, like yeah. kayak, you're rowing, yeah. And uh, it particularly t- traces this one man's journey. And this was during the Great Depression, right? So he's, uh, you know, he was, when he was 15 years old, his father abandoned him because he said, I got to take care of my other kids. There's not enough food for you guys to live. You know, you're the oldest. You can take care of yourself. So goodbye. And he basically packed up and left, went back to California where he had a job. And I guess he had this, this cabin out in the woods and his boy just had to live there at 15 years old, forage for his own food. I mean, they, there was no food. There was nothing. Wow. And it's like, it's do or die. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is that Gosh, in today's world, I mean, people would be so broken down. They'd be like, well, I got to go to therapy for the rest of my life. But he wasn't, I don't, you know, maybe maybe he covered some scars from that abandonment issue. But I think it also... Probably. (laughs) Yeah, but it also also showed him that he has the capacity for strength, for interior strength, because he could overcome this incredible suffering and make a living and and survive Mm. and end up winning a gold medal in the Olympics, which is remarkable. Yeah, and I think we had... I think in the United States in particular, in Western culture, but really the United States, we had this benefit from the Great Depression generation, which yeah. is the same time as the, what you're talking about. It's the same time period. And so this old phrase, this old um, expression that hard times make strong men, strong men make, make good times, good times make soft men, soft men make hard times, and so on, hard times, and then you keep going. Yeah. It's, like a, it's a circle, right? It's a, it's a, and so I think we're in one of those times right now where we had a long period of good, but now we're starting to see, and it's not necessarily financial. We've kind of figured out how to feed the world for the most part. Obviously, there's still inefficiencies and people starve, whatever. We figured out how to feed the world. We figured out a lot of these very core problems using our modern technology, but now we have this, a spiritual deprivation. Yeah. Which is the hard times that we're entering right now or are in right now. And so the these hard times are going to make, like hopefully make strong spiritual men, which will then make good times again. Well, that actually brings us to the next question. Do you think people handle adversity well in today's world? No. And why not? Because they don't believe they should have any. Mm. Right. I think at the same time in the the kind of the, the ancient Greek and the ancient Asian cultures at about the same time in human history, so right around like 800 BC or something like that, they came up with the idea that at the same time separated from one another that, that life is suffering. Yeah. Right. And Christ suffered too. Like he participated voluntarily, so to speak, in right. that suffering. And so when you accept that to some extent, then you realize that the adversity that you're facing is... It's normal. It's, it's normal. not Nothing's it, gone wrong. It's actually just how life works. It's just how it is. But I think that because of our... Because of these good times that we've made for ourselves from a very materialistic perspective, we have given up on the idea that you will have adversity. Yeah. Like of the Great Depression people, they didn't have... They didn't have like an explosion of, I guess they did a little bit, but they didn't have like an explosion of therapists during the Great Depression. Right. Right. You had people that put their heads down and worked it. Well, I would say that's the other element that makes people very unable to uh, handle diversity well is they don't have the tools. Because if you have faith, 
Mm. If you have, if you're surrounded by family and community, then you can handle a lot of adversity, which is those, those just, just those things. Yeah. When you don't have faith and you don't have a community that really loves you and supports you, adversity can break you. Oh, for sure. And I think even the communities that people have now are still very transactional. Oftentimes, sure. Yeah. Like I hear about in the secular world, I don't have very many secular friends. They basically all have left me or I've left them. But <laughs> but in particular What's that face? Wait, way to evangelize. Joe just Paul. made this like <laughs> Joe just made this like like grimace. grimace. Yeah, a classic yeah. Paul's rejection. <laughs> yeah. Um anyway, that uh but I noticed it especially with my coworkers, I'm friendly with enough, you know, well enough. And the way they talk about their friendships, I I grimace at that. It's just so like, like what would they say? I don't know. I don't have too many secular friends either. So well, it would be I don't know. They would they would talk about I don't know. Let me help help you do this thing, like move or something. It's like well, you didn't do this thing for me, and so I'm not gonna like. Why would I go out of my way to do that for you or you know things mm. like that? Tit for tat type. It's all thing, it's yeah. all quid pro quo yeah. relationships, and I think we, we I mean there is a little bit of that in all human relationships. Like we are kind of a commercial people. Like our it's the way we are to some extent, but. You shouldn't be that way necessarily with your friends. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's kind of a, uh, those are some things that make adversity right. very difficult. Yeah. And I remember when I was going through, and I had some of these friendships, but I didn't realize it because I was naive and stupid. Um, but I, I, I thought I had friends that weren't quid pro quo, that were secular friends. And when I fell on some adversity myself, they, not only did they abandon me, but they like, I want to use, I hate this term, but like bullied me over it. Mm, they which, added to your adversity. They added to it. Yeah. Wow. Which was really hard. Um, and I don't know, but I got, I, I dove way deeper in my faith at that time. Hmm. It was like 2018. And that's why God allows it oftentimes, right? Sometimes. To yeah. Bring that great good out of us. Yeah. I read Jordan Peterson and I started to listen to Catholic podcasts and it changed my life. Nice. And now he is on one. So <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah. It, it all, oh, am I? Who's so, that? Jordan so, Peterson's on a Catholic podcast? No, you are. <laughs> he has been, I guess. Probably. We should get Jordan Peterson. That would be good. That, uh, we'll, we'll work on that for restless. Oh. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I know a lot of parents, of course, I think if, if you're a, if you're a parent, naturally, you're going to want to shield your kids from suffering. Mm. Is that a good thing? I mean, in today's world, I mean, the parents will kind of bail, often parents will bail kids out of pretty much everything. And I tell you, as a teacher, one of the things that's, that's struck me very much, and I hear from older teachers, this wasn't always the case, is that if I have an issue with a child, whether they're bad behavior or bad mm. grades, you know, the parent always takes the child's side. And the that's parent, so different parent, from the way I, the, the parent oh my God. always, always will attack the teacher myself. And I'll tell you how many times I've been, oh, well, you hate my child. Oh, well, my child has all these you know, mm. reasons why they couldn't do their work, all these reasons why they couldn't behave in class. And I'm kind of like, um, no, I actually just kind of need to teach a kid that, you know, they're not the center of the universe. But yeah. I got this a lot when I, <clears throat> when I taught martial arts. I love excuse making all of a sudden. But you know, we're doing a contact thing here, right? Like, I can't see you, there's no note you can hand somebody to make your kid not get punched in the face. Like, if, if, if you're here to learn how to, to defend themselves, I mean, I can stop pressing them hard if you want, I guess. But is that why, like, why are we, you, you got, I got a lot of excuses from parents, you know what I mean? Really? So they, so they were unhappy that you were hitting their children, even though it was I, martial arts. Just to be clear, not because I was hitting their children. Right, right. That's, <laughs> sorry, that's, that came out wrong. <laughs> yeah, let's just be very clear about this. But there, there were cases where... Um, if you kind of just try to push a kid a little bit, maybe you're too intense. Look, you can be too intense for a kid. You have to be able to read a situation. This wasn't necessarily a problem that I had, but I remember there was a very specific situation in which a kid was getting close to getting his black belt 
and he was like a bully until he was until he was a smaller kid you know like he would he would be too aggressive when fighting smaller kids and he and then if a bigger kid was fighting with him he would just kind of shut down and complain and whine mm. and we had a meeting with his mom and it was like you know he's he's on this medicine and he says this problem i'm not denying those things are real but like he's too small but it's like, okay but like those things are what they are so them being that being the case do you want me to teach your kid how to fight or not you know what i mean like that's why, yeah. that's why we're here so you know you can make every yeah. excuse you want but ultimately if you can't punch a bag you can't punch a bag it's not my fault i can punch a bag right so it's not about this isn't about me you know what i mean so i just I, I can relate to that you get a lot of excuses and you're like this is so lame dude like take put your kid in soccer i don't have to tell you like you, you sign him up <laughs> you saw me with a sword when you walked in didn't you like what did you think was going on here yeah <laughs> I mean? well it's the same thing when when they say like uh with the junior soccer leagues and things oh, well we're not keeping score it's not about that it's like yes it is the kids keep score though yeah, they do. Sure. You ask the seven-year-old what the score is, they'll tell you. But Joe, to your point, you know, there's a saying that we had in seminary, which was, "It's not your pro- it's not your fault, but it is your problem." Right. In other words, like we all have reasons why we we act in a certain way. Maybe we are depressed. Maybe we are struggling with this or that. We're we're not blaming anybody, but we're saying sure. this is your problem that you have to deal with in a healthy way. And that's the same with any adversity, right? We can make a thousand excuses in the world yeah. of why we can't get that new job, why we can't finish our schoolwork, why we can't. Yeah. But yeah, and those those excuses may be very valid, but so what? Yeah, it's an important point. And also, you know, you get a lot of people giving you explanations as if they're excuses, you know? So it's like, why did you snap at that person? Well, because I'm tired. It's like, that's an explanation of your behavior, but it's not an excuse of your behavior. Right, it doesn't mean so you're tired. It. It's like, I'm tired too. Like, why, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean, yeah. doesn't mean you, treat, you can't treat people however you want. And they're related phenomena, right? So it's like, this kid I'm talking about, why did you throw that elbow at that kid, which you know is an illegal move in our school? Why well, was mad? Okay, so? that's not good enough reason, is yeah, it? Yeah, no. Yeah, you could have really hurt that kid. He want a black belt, you know? Like, so, um, yeah, I think these are related phenomenon insofar as it's like, the kid for whom excuses are constantly made. Again, that's not the kid's fault, by the way, because it's natural for you, for the kid to want to appeal to an authority that's going to be on their side. So if you create a, a situation in which the kid knows his parents will go to bat for them no matter what he does, I don't blame the kid for doing that. I blame the parent for not being able to say, okay, well, if you fail the test, why don't you try studying for the test? If, yeah. that, if that fails, then we can talk to the teacher about it, right? But like, you know, yeah. my parents, there was no, you know, there was, you know, let's talk to the teacher, we can work something out, maybe extra help. But there was no... We have to change the grade because I like because I, I love my kids. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you love your kids, but it's nothing to do with my grade for them. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and you know, if I think when you when you're forced to face adversity, you find creative ways to overcome it. I remember watching this video about this guy who um, was when he was talking about when he was a child, he was could not sit still in class, fidgeting, fidgeting, and, and just was drumming his fingers on absolutely everything. Ah, uh, that was me. And all of his and all of his teachers would be like you're a spaz, you're ADHD, you're this, you're that, you know, put him on this medica- this medication, that medication. And finally, one teacher just looked at him and was like, you know what? You're a drummer. And he pulled out two drumsticks from mm-hmm. the top of his desk. He's like, use these. And the kid actually is now a professional drummer. Yeah. For, you know, and, and like he found a creative way to deal with the adversity that he found himself in yeah. and brought great good out of it. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, let's just medica- medicate the kid. And, That's yeah. a big problem. Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah, was going to say like the um, treating sort of you know young boyish like restlessness and energy as if it's a disease to be cured yeah oh it's so depressing it's, it's yeah, tough it's, that. it's tough but, yeah. and sometimes I mean, it goes both ways because again you get from parents you know my son has ADHD and it's like that doesn't explain why he was rude to me just now though does it like you know you can just say letters and expect me to absolve him of all his responsibility for his behavior that's not how life works so even if it's true even if it's true of whatever condition this kid has is causing is affecting his behavior, okay. But the, so so you can give him a note to every person he interacts with in the world. Like you can also find a way to be a well-adjusted human being. Right. And that's ultimately what we're talking about here is yeah. becoming adjusted human beings who can live in a society who can be good, virtuous people. Even just on the level of human virtue. Yeah. You know I mean, I, like, I was late. Why were you late? 
um, because okay, because you're a late person. That's why, right? Like, so this the human virtue is taking actual responsibility. You know what I mean? I have late disease. Yeah. Right, late disease. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've actually seen that's this. chronic. I've seen, <laughs> this, I've seen this in the workplace now, and I don't want to say it's universal, but I'm seeing a trend because they're really good kids. Kids. I mean, they're men, but like I call them kids. Because you're very. Are, are you out of the young adult profile here? No, <laughs> but they're, they're college. Wrestling. They just come out of college. I mean, they're they're. I'm more. I'm over ten years older than them. I mean, they seem yeah, like kids. That's true. Um, and so they come out of college, and they've been not all of them, but a lot of them have been completely babied throughout their whole education. Especially COVID made everything worse because they were in college during COVID at this point, um, and they they cannot handle any any adversity. Like if I give very kind of objective feedback to them, it ruins them. It destroys them. Like I had to tell one of one of my staff people, like you, you were, you were late on this. It didn't get done. And we always talk about like, you always have to say like, put it in context and we have like a, a method of giving feedback, which is very effective. And it's like, this is, and this is the result. This is what could have happened. And this is what you should do better next time. Right. And so that's, that's what we always put everything in context like that. And it like very objective and it just destroyed this person. Really? Yeah. To the point where like my boss told me, it's like, yeah, you got to be like, gentler on people i'm like i didn't do anything wrong here i told him exactly what i said yeah. and like it was a bit of a back and forth between me and this you know my subordinate and um but it's just anything even objective things that have to be better it's just and so i've seen this come through my dad's a college professor and these kids from high school cannot take anything like my dad gets all these notes and everything from these a college kids. professor these notes wow oh all types of stuff and every kid like half of his class sometimes will have to take you know get extended time for exams and but I, I think you bring up a very interesting point is that a lot of times we have a hard time dealing with adversity because it's an we feel like it's an attack on our identity yeah you know it's like I am a horrible awful person because I can't do X right you know and so I think you know part of that is and we, that I think this is this very much impacts our relationship with God too mm. is that God sends us adversity or allows us to suffer some adversity and we're like God you must hate me or you must not be real right and I've sometimes had that inclination I don't understand that inclination I, Maybe I mean, I'm I, weird. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I've never struggled with that, but I've certainly seen it a lot in my yeah. Christian. It's, it's, a clear, it's a clearly demonstrated phenomenon. Well, you are weird, but that's another... <clears throat> well, obviously. <laughs> Notwithstanding the current conversation, yeah. Sorry, yeah. No, I'm just saying that he's weird, yeah. Oh, oh, oh that's yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to echo the important point you're making. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what, I mean, what, God, what is God up to when, when we find ourselves seemingly facing an obstacle, whether it's a health challenge or a job challenge or a relational challenge? I mean, well, I think we have to, so we have to understand that God so chose to give him the greatest glory by allowing us to sin. That's mind boggling. Right? It, it, maybe he didn't have to do it that way. And we maybe don't even have to concern ourselves of why he chose this particular way, but we have to understand that that is the way that it is. Well, I think because love requires the opportunity to not love. Yeah, I mean, God could bring himself glory in any way he so chooses. This is the way he thought it fit for us for whatever reason. Yeah. And I don't think we fully, that's a mystery. Like we don't fully understand that. We won't until we we die maybe. Um, But that's how we ought. So we have to understand that. And I think maybe why I've never struggled, I just mentioned I never really struggled with that, but maybe because I have a decent understanding of that concept. Like that we are a fallen people and we need Jesus to to save us, mm. right? And and because we're a fallen people, that leads to suffering. That leads to our physical death yeah. because of sin. And so therefore we are going to have suffering. It's a, fa- it's a fundamental part of life. And it's how we, through the grace of God, through prayer, through 
his gifts to us, how we overcome that. And that's part of the Christian life. Sure. But but it's it comes from the fall at the beginning of the time at beginning of time because we have free will. Yeah, but also just <clears throat> separate from this question of sin, it's a question of just everyday adversity and struggle, or like Father said, health problems, career problems, family problems, whatever. And there's you know there's a ton of different reasons that God could introduce that into your life, right? I mean, it might be that you're too self reliant, um, and He wants you to learn to rely on Him. It could be you're too proud about something and needs to take it away. Like so, there's there, you know, and I think what's imp- it's important to try to pray through why it's happening to you because it helps you learn the lesson. Mm. But there has to be a fundamental trust that there is a lesson, that there is a purpose. And that's what's I think separates what, what differentiates the way that a Christian experiences suffering and non-Christian experiences suffering. Cause our, our suffering is not random. Right. You know, it's not, it's not um, a cruel universe. So even, just... so even if it, if you feel like, well, it kind of makes me like feel worse that God who loves me is doing this to me. Okay. But there's still a God that loves you. That's in control of the situation, you know? Um, I've used this example since I'm talking about martial arts so much on this episode. I've used this example in talks before where like, you know, if I'm, if I'm officiating over two kids who are sparring, I am creating a situation and presiding over a situation in which kids are going to get hurt, you know, in a very mild way. So, you know, I might allow a kid to get hit in the face when I could have told him to keep his hands up or something like that and spared him that pain. And that kid could blame me for that. But the reality is that the reason I'm letting him do it in that situation is because it's better that he has a padded fist to hit him in the face. So I can say, all right, remember when I said to keep your hands up 10 minutes ago? Keep your hands up. Better that he learns it then than if some kid's picking on him in school and punches him into a locker. And he just, so so sometimes you're like, in that context, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in control of the situation and giving a kid an amount of adversity that I know he can overcome, right? Mm. And I am in control of the situation. He may not feel like that in the moment. He may not feel like I'm in control. He may not feel like I care or, or like there's a bar lesson, but there is. And we're, and we're God's the same way with us. We may not feel like he's in control of the situation or like there's a point to any of it. But that doesn't mean that there isn't or that he's not. Right. You know what I mean? And we have to just trust that he is giving this to us for a reason. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of suffering that we don't, there's a lot of suffering that we do bring on ourselves, like through our own yeah, sin. That's for like sure. that, that brings, we also have a lot of suffering that's, that's done unto us. Sure. Right. That's not like you think about like a disease or something like that. It's yeah, sure. Maybe we could be healthier, wash our hands or whatever. But like, let's just say for, for argument's or, or sake. Or abuse. You know, I mean, yeah, abuse by or, someone else. I mean, like somebody else's sin can, can, somebody else's sin fault, can negatively right. affect us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the Christian way of thinking about this is, okay, that's a tremendous gift. Yeah. God's allowing that to happen. Yes. It's that person's sin. Right. And but God's permissive will. God's not will, choosing it actively, but he's permi- permitting he's, it. In yeah. his permissive will, that is something that's doing unto us. And therefore, that's a tremendous gift. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. That's a very hard concept to understand. Yeah. For, especially for somebody in the modern world, where it's like even you can't call people certain things or talk about them or stating facts and people get hurt. It's like, no, it's like it, it's all just part of the Christian life. Like this is it. Yeah. But it's yeah. a gift. It's a gift. It can it's, be it's how we can grow in holiness. Yeah, it can be, and and you know we'll talk later on maybe about you know how we've seen that in our life. But the one thing that I, I struggle with, and you know as a priest, you certainly hear a lot of a lot of terrible stories, you know, of people who are suffering, and everyone, you know, a lot of people ask for a lot of different prayers and things, and and at what point, you know, when do you really kind of have kind of that compassion and try to remove the suffering, and when do you tell people that they need to tough it out? You know, certainly the, the parents who are listening to this podcast and parents or anyone that works with others probably encounters this question of like, you know, at a certain, there's a certain amount of, of uh, university that someone has to face. And then there's a certain amount that you can try to step in and say, you know, let, let's rescue you from this situation. Yeah. It's good to ask that question to people that don't have kids too. Yeah. Meaning that's, us, that's meaning true Joe true. and I. <laughs> but anyway, um, 
I think it, I think there is a there is a point at which you do need to like if your kid's about to jump off a cliff. Well, yeah, you I mean, ought some, to save. You ought to not allow that person that your kid to jump off a cliff. But I, I remember one of the young adults in, in our young adult group called me up one day and said, hey, "Can we can we go out for lunch?" I'm like, sure, yeah, you know. So we go out for lunch, and he starts to, like crying about a breakup he had. Now I was like, the breakup happened four months ago, and you're still crying about it. And you've talked to like seven thousand other people about this, and you're still crying about it. And I just wanted to shake the guy and be like, "Tough it out," you know. It was stop acting like a little baby. But at the same time, I'm like, "Oh, I'm a priest. I can't say that." I have to be like, "Oh, we have to find. You have to find. You have to find a. The only uh, way out is through. (laughs) The only way out is through. You have to find. That's a a good answer. Yeah. Find a uh, pastoral way of telling him tough it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were trying, to, and I was, I was trying to point out, look, look, look what God is doing, and you know, I mean, maybe he's, he, you dodged a bullet with this girl, maybe that wasn't the right one for you, yeah. and he just kept crying through the whole lunch. Wow. It, it was really awkward. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was good of you to sit there and listen. Maybe that's he was paying. He so that's a terrible. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Totally, totally just kidding. You can't. You can afford the turkey sandwich too. I right? could afford the turkey sandwich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. What were you going to say, Joe? You're about to say something. Yeah, I'm sure it was going to be brilliant, but... I'm <laughs> Everything you say is brilliant. You could say anything right now. It'd be brilliant. You tell me. But I think, <laughs> I think you know, when I, when I see somebody that's suffering in any sort of adversity, my first inclination is not to, like, commiserate, but rather to help them interpret. Hmm. Yeah. Like, let's say, okay, let's see how you are growing through this. Let's see what good you can bring out of this. Because, especially as parents, you know, when you see this this adversity, whatever your kids go through, bad grade, or, you know, getting bullied yeah. at school, all right, let's, how, how do we respond? How do we put this in context, right? This should not be an attack on your identity. This should not be uh, something you're going to despair and you're going to think that you're a terrible human being because this happened to you. But rather, let's, like, and obviously you're not going to react on the flip side, by getting angry or this or that, you know, how do we, how's the healthy reaction? Where, where do we go from here? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that's right. I mean, this is kind of a question of integration, right? To some extent, it's like, to what extent are you an adult who can face adversity or face challenges and not break down, not explode to people, you know? Um, sometimes you need an outsider to say like, Hey, I don't think the way you're ex- handling this is, is appropriate. Um, you know, I don't know how to tell a parent or anybody like that because there's so many factors, you know what I mean? Like yeah. if it's something that you have the power to stop, and there's no chance of a child overcoming it, and there's not really a lesson to be learned from it, stop it probably, right? Yeah. And also, yeah. like, um, there might be good lessons a child learns from be- dealing with being dealing with being bullied, but it does not excuse that a principal, for example, um, who chooses to let the bullying continue if he could stop it, right? Right, right. So, like, yeah. you can, you can, I don't think that we get to make those calls, right? Because we, whereas God has a firm hand in our lives and knows what's best for us. That doesn't mean we have a firm hand in other people's lives and know what's best for them. So I think sometimes you have to kind of play the role you're in. Mm. So if you are um, a principal, it would be inappropriate for you to, to allow bullying to, to take place because you think it might toughen a kid up. Oh, 100%. However, yeah, totally. however, if you are a martial arts teacher and you 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 are you are more within your rights to allow a kid to spar with someone who you know is going to beat him up a little bit because it's a controlled environment and we're here to toughen each other up. Yeah. So I think you have to really be willing to play the role. You know, a priest can say certain things that other people aren't going to say and vice versa. If yeah. in response to that, the priest said, you'd be like, oh my goodness. But if a friend says, you're like, yeah, okay, I see where you're coming from. And I think you have to play the role that you're, that you're in. That's very true. Because I mean, in principle, if you know, if a kid is constantly complaining about a headache or something and they're, they're just doing it to get out of class or whatever, you know, okay, you may want to dive deeper into that. You know, do you have a health problem? Do you have you know, right. anxiety? But also it's okay to say, you know what? I think you're using it as an excuse. Go back to class, sure. you know? Yeah, I do whatever. think, yeah. 
I mean, I would say I, I, I don't, I don't want to overstate that I was like had some faced tremendous adversity as a kid. I was more or less comfortable and happy go lucky. But you know, I oh, think but you faced a lot of adversity in your life. Oh yeah, I mean, your family. A lot. Family was. I mean, my parents are amazing. It's not. It was my brother was had a lot of struggles, and it impacted like all aspects of life. And so, but maybe it's part of my personality because um, I'm always like unabashedly myself, and I've had to soften that in certain areas but generally I'm on a but that means I take charge it's one of my it's like one of my things I just if I see a, a void in something I just like jump in and take it so one of those things was both my parents are like my dad was tax attorney my mom's tax accountant like the spring was not a very pleasant time in the house oh gosh yeah but it meant that I learned how to cook at when I was in fifth grade wow yeah that's when I started it was terrible <laughs> like the the cheese and the grilled cheese was still solid and the bread was burnt mm, but that's I how struggle, you get better I struggle with that one too I'm very good at making grilled cheese now. Well, now you're a phenomenal cook. So now, I, now I'm okay. So we'll see some real but, but like, I, I, I would assume, and also I became very self-sufficient at, like, I never, I stopped asking help for my homework. Like, I started to get good grades. Actually, I started to get good grades when my brother started to screw up more. Wow. Yeah. It's almost as a reaction, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe an overreaction. Hmm. Um, and, like, that has to be, that has had to be, and I also mentioned one time where I was at, like, in college, or even after college, I was with a group of friends who were at Pepe's in New Haven. Pepe's Pizza, which like it was a tradition growing up in in Cheshire. Pepe's is gross. You you would go to Pepe's as like when you'd come home from college, ignoring Father Joseph. As I, possible. I feel Pepe's is not gross. Um, I feel strongly. About okay, that. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. And I remember I said I'm like because they were talking about like modern bullying because a lot of them are teachers. So it must have been after college. So a lot of them are teachers. Like the bullying is so bad. And I'm like I don't understand this. Like I don't think I was ever bullied. And they all looked at me like I was from Mars. Like Paul, you were bullied. I had no idea. Really? I still don't understand what they're talking about. You're not very good bullies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was like, they I failed was, in, their in high school, yeah. I was like five foot two and over 200 pounds. So like they couldn't fit me in a locker like the skinny Asian <laughs> kids. Um, <laughs> there were several and they all went in lockers. Oh, um, no. uh, but in any case, but apparently I was bullied, but I don't know. I was just always unabashedly myself. So it didn't really bother me because yeah. I either would. And that's I, the thing. Different people respond to different adversities yeah. in different ways. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's important to not make your situation worse by comparing yourself to other people's reactions. Yeah. You know, because just because someone else deals with something doesn't mean that they're better than you because you don't know what else is going on in their life. Maybe that like, oh, you know, I wish that, you know, I had handled that as well as he did. Well, maybe he didn't have anything else going on. And maybe you have three things. You know what I mean? Like there's, you know, you just can't, and, or maybe they're just, you're just different people and that's okay. Right. You know and I mean? yeah, yeah, exactly. We don't know what the adversity is on the inside. We can only see the outside. That's why it's important also to not compare other people to yourself. Like, why can't, you know, I was fine. Why wasn't he fine? It's like, I don't know, maybe his parents are getting divorced. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to judge him? You don't know what's going on in his life. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, that's a, I think I mentioned Jordan, but that's a run of his rules is compare to yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who somebody else is today. Yeah. That's Very true. important. All right. So last point, real quick. Tell me one thing you've learned from adversity. How's it made you a better man? A specific example or from adversity in general? Either one. Specific is good. We like good stories. I'm going to avoid the stories because I don't want to, um, but... No, we're also close on time. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I have, I am more, um, I think, like attuned to other people and more like perceptive of people's emotions and social situations than I would be otherwise because of experiences I've had in my life that were unfortunate, I would say. Mm. That's good. That's extremely vague. Hopefully, hopefully, I mean, you're in seminary, so hopefully that turns into a great pastoral gift. No, yeah, to totally the people just around for you. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant what you just said. Um, Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say that for me, there was a time I was, as I mentioned, I was, I like, I had this. There was a period where I was moving from like more secular friends to more kind of Catholic friends, 
and I was reforming a friend group. And that was a very pain. There was a mourning that went through that, like mm. M-O-U-R, like not mourning as in the time of day. There was a mourning that went along with that that was very hard. Um, but like I had mentioned before, that's the time when I like grew deeper in my faith and formed better friendships. And I don't know, just became a Good. hopefully a better man. So you've seen how God has moved yeah. through adversity. Yeah. I think so. And I'm still going through it. So, you know, check back in a year. Okay, we will. We'll have a follow-up episode. How about you, Father? How about me? Um, you know, I think I think um, what I've learned is that when you persevere, God makes it work out in the end. Yeah. You know, and that helps you to trust because when you've seen all the adversity that God has brought you through, you realize, well, whatever I'm going to face in the future, he's still going to be there. Right. You know, and it's that, just that kind of trust. Because if I never faced adversity, I wouldn't have that confidence. Hmm. So whatever adversity you're facing, realize that you're not alone. God is with you. He's bringing good out of it no matter what it is. And adversity really does make the man. You know, you will become a better man or woman based on whatever crosses and challenges you struggle with and that you overcome through his grace and his power. So don't be afraid of the cross. Embrace it, pick it up, offer it to him, unite it to him, and he'll make you a saint. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Network, 1350 AM and 103.9 FM and wherever you get your podcasts. Tune in next time. <laughs>